For all your kisses, smiles, and love. For all your instructions, warnings, and discipline. You taught me selflessness when you put my needs before your own. Your gentle nudge taught me to be fearless. The rub on my back to help me feel safe. You are more than just mom. You are courageous when I'm at the end of my rope. You were creative when all we had was cardboard. You comfort me when my world falls apart. Mom, thank you for all the peekaboos, popsicles, the scrapes you kiss, surprises, and bedtime prayers. For your smile that made me feel accepted. For the hugs that made me know I belong. For your honesty that helps me know I'm cared for. For putting your dreams on hold to teach me how to dream. For sending me into the world with the love of God. For being a woman of God. Thank you, Mom. Mom, I call you blessed. For many women do noble things. But Mom, you surpass them all. What a beautiful summary of what moms are all about. Moms who want to thank you and honor you today for all that you do for us. Let's pray uh, for our ladies. Heavenly Father, we come before you today thanking you for moms. Uh, We are so glad you created moms. Uh, Moms have a unique bond with us. Moms uh, have a beautiful ability to nurture, to care, to sacrifice, to give, to forgive, to be there. And uh, each of us are so thankful to our moms and the critical role they played or continue to play in our lives. But I pray that you would encourage moms today. You know, there are a lot of discouraged moms out there for different reasons. And I pray this is, would be an encouraging day for them and that we would honor them and thank them uh, for all that they do. I also pray uh, for ladies out there who would like to be moms. But for whatever reason, uh, that hasn't happened yet. And I pray you comfort them and encourage them and uh, carry them at this time. I know there are other moms who are are burdened by uh, their children, maybe rebellious teens or adults who've walked away uh, from you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help them, uh, let them know that uh, you're there, and that there is power in prayer. And that uh, their lives, the lives of their children, can be changed. And I pray for maybe others who are just burdened by some other issue in relationship to maybe recently lost their mom or had a tough relationship with their mom. And encourage and comfort them today, too. 
Uh, these uh, holidays bring up all kinds of emotions. And thank you that you're there to help us process through all of them. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about marital intimacy. And you might be saying, Dan, why are we talking about marital intimacy on Mother's Day? Well, just to remind you, that's kind of how it all got started, right? That began your journey toward motherhood. Now, really, we're, we're in a series entitled The Art of Marriage. It's a curriculum that we're working through, and the small groups are studying it. It just so happened that this particular topic ended up on Mother's Day. It's a very important topic for us to discuss. The first thing I want to say is that God created sex. You know, for a lot of people out there, they can't connect the dots with that one. Their image of who God is, whether it be a judge, a policeman, uh, you know, whatever, very negative. They, they can't connect the pleasure of sex uh, with a God who they think just doesn't care about them and uh, is out of touch. But, but God designed sex. In fact, every pleasure we experience in this life, God designed, God put together. He put our bodies together in such a way that we would really enjoy certain things. I'm pretty sure that all of you are going to enjoy some good food today, right? Yeah, you're looking forward. Uh, I don't want you to get thinking about that, but um, yeah, you are. And that's the way God designed us, is to enjoy good food. How about sleep? You know, that's what moms love the most. How many moms would agree? They love sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe that, you know, if you're low on cash, just say, okay, I'm giving you an extra 10 hours of sleep. <laughs> this week, we're going to make it happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. God gives us all these pleasures. In fact, it says in Psalm 16:11, you have made known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God wants to fill our life with pleasure. And it talks about eternal pleasures. If you think the pleasures on this earth are good, just wait till heaven. Oh, heaven is going to be filled with pleasures that we, haven't, we can't imagine. And we look forward to that after we've embraced that relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let's talk about the marital relationship, Genesis 2, 24 and 25. Uh, for this reason, a man will leave his mother, uh, father and mother, and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. One flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So that's one flesh. That's the sexual relationship, and it's also just the unity of the whole relationship. But really, it's talking here. Uh, significantly about the, the sexual relationship. And there's a lot of purposes for sex, a unity in the relationship, uh, symbolizing what the relationship is all about, obviously procreation, but again, pleasure. We look in Proverbs chapter 5, 18 and 19. It says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. 
I remember reading that in junior high. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Then I, I went over to Song of Solomon. That's even more interesting. Yes, sir. Maybe that's where we should tell people. Now, where, where should I start reading the Bible? Start in Song of Solomon. <laughs> I'll give them a different view of who God is and uh, how he loves uh, to give us pleasure. So God gave us this beautiful gift of sex. And I've always loved the analogy that sex is like fire and fire belongs in the fireplace. It belongs in the right place where it's safe and controlled and it gives off warmth and atmosphere. But when you take fire out of the right context, out of the right boundaries, and you use it in other places, of course, it creates a lot of pain. It burns houses down. It burns people. And that's what happens with sex. Sex, when taken out of the context of marriage, burns people more deeply than they can ever imagine. Well, what's happened in our culture uh, because of sin and the fall, uh, people have basically taken sex and worshipped it. And our culture certainly uh, is an example of that. There's so many different ways we sin against God in this area of our sexual relationship. And what you need to realize is that sexual sin is like no other sin. The Bible says that when you when you commit sexual sin, you sin against your body because your sexual being is wrapped up in every part of your life, your mind, your soul, your spirit. So every time you sin sexually, it, it, it impacts you in a deep way. Uh, premarital relationships, every premarital relationship you've had, uh, sex outside of marriage, whatever it might be, that took a piece out of you. It did. And, and that's why God warns so significantly about how we should not sin sexually because it hurts us. God loves us and he doesn't want us to be burned. The scourge on the United States, and of course, throughout the world these days, one of the scourges is pornography. Obviously, so uh, available through the Internet, uh, $50 billion industry across the world, $13 billion here in the United States. 12 to 17-year-olds are the ones who consume most of it. 12% of websites are pornographic. Pornography is really what, what uh, you know, grew the web, uh, again, lust. And, and I just can't imagine the sexual problems that these young people are going to have after they feast on pornography during their years uh, as teenagers. Uh, it's just going to cause so many problems uh, in their relationships in the future. And, of course, we think about premarital sex, extramarital sex, we think about uh, uh, sexual abuse. Uh, we think about homosexuality. As you guys know, President Barack Obama came out this week and said that he was supportive of same-sex marriage. It's the first time in U.S. history that a sitting president has endorsed same-sex marriage. And friends, that is a dark day. 
in the history of the United States. Because whenever a kingdom like the United States endorses homosexuality, that really, in many ways, is the beginning of the end if you study uh, empires and kingdoms throughout history. And homosexuality is wrong. It's clearly stated in Scripture. If you look in Romans, uh, he was talking about people who were worshiping other gods, people who had rejected uh, God as we know him. Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Homosexuality is wrong. Obviously, we care for anybody who's a sinner, including us, right? And homosexuality is a type of sin. So if a person struggles with homosexuality, we certainly want to love them and help them in whatever way. Just because you have homosexual tendencies doesn't mean you have to follow those tendencies. Many people have addictive tendencies. doesn't mean they have to follow the addictive tendencies. Uh, so it's so important for us to take a stand. It's so important for us to speak out. It's so important for us to, when it comes up in conversation, to say what we believe. Because, friends, if we don't speak, who is going to speak? And, and this whole adoption and uh, embracing homosexuality will continue to change our culture, will continue to change the nature of the family and the fabric of our society. Uh, this is a very, very serious thing. And I would encourage you to pray and think about what your role can be in standing up uh, for uh, the truth. Let's talk about sexual commitment in marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 4 talks about the serious commitment you make when you marry someone. It says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. When you marry someone, you're giving them your body. You're becoming one flesh. And you're saying, I am going to meet your sexual needs for life. That's quite a statement, isn't it? And that's why we need to continue to counsel and encourage our young people, as we do here at Springbrook, and hopefully you're doing uh, with your kids. It's so important, the person you choose to marry, because you're giving your body to them, you're giving your life to them, and please... Please make sure they're Christ followers, and not just Christ followers by name, but people who are really committed to Jesus. Ephesians 4, 29, or excuse me, let me go back here. Um, look at Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Uh, this, this is our memory verse, our verses uh, for May. And how many are memorizing Philippians 2, 3, and 4 out there? Anybody out there? All right, well, we need to have more people engaged there. Uh, how many are memorizing anything in the Word of God this month? Okay, we've got a few more hands, all right? Well, friends, remember our heart's strong vision is that uh, we want to love God one-on-one. -on -one. And part of that is Scripture memorization. 
in terms of taking God's word, taking his truth into our life. We're constantly being bombarded by the lies from the world, and that's why we need to continually take it in. So we're trying to encourage you uh, to memorize God's word. So, uh, again, uh, cut this verse out, uh, you know, put it on your screensaver. And uh, it's such a powerful verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So first of all, it says you should consider others, your spouse, better than yourself, and you should look to their interests. So listen very closely to me. The critical thing in improving your sexual relationship in marriage is that you're somebody who's interested in giving instead of getting. Giving instead of getting. If you make the priority in your sexual relationship, I want to satisfy my spouse's needs. That is my primary desire there's a good chance you're going to have a great sexual relationship. But if you go into a relationship uh, with your spouse and say, I want to get, I'm just concerned about what I'm going to receive from this sexual relationship, I tell you, it's not going to work very well. And unfortunately, most of us go into the relationship thinking, what am I going to get? And that skews things. And we need to have the priority of saying, listen, Men, you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and therefore you need to put her first. I'll tell you, if you want to transform your sex lives, men, your primary goal, your primary responsibility is how can I satisfy the needs of my wife? That's a question you always need to ask yourself. Your needs are below that. She is number one. And not only do you honor God in that way, but there's a much better chance that uh, your needs will be met as well. So how how does one go about enriching uh, their sex lives? Just yesterday I went to the store and see what the world had to say, okay, in terms of how we can do this. I've got glamour here. Five seconds to better sex. Amazingly satisfying things to try next time you're naked. Well, (laughs) friends, that's what the world has to say about sex. Five seconds, that's all it takes. That is a lie. That is a lie. You've got to spend a lot of time in cultivating your relationship with your spouse in order to have a meaningful sexual life. So this is just trash. All right. Cosmopolitan. Wild sex stories. I won't even read the rest of that. But, uh, yeah, that's just sin right there. Uh, 50 ways to be sexy this summer. Again, it's just trash. That's what the world is giving us. We need to look at this book instead, okay, about a healthy sexual relationship. And one book that I found very helpful in helping me unpack what the Bible has to say about sex is a book called The Five Sex Needs of Men and Women by Roseburg. It's in your notes uh, if you want to buy it. But it's an excellent book of 
helping us understand how we are to love our spouse, how we are to meet these needs the Bible tells us about. So what are some women's sex needs? First of all, it's affirmation, affirmation. It says, husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing may hinder your prayers. Now, do you want to have a better sex life? This is where you start, guys. You're considerate and tender with your wives. You treat them with respect. Now, you're not going to find that in any of those magazines, are you? No, no, no. No, it's how you treat your wife. In fact, today's a good day. You guys are on your game, hopefully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you went this morning to get the card. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you got the restaurant, whatever. You know, you're saying, okay, today's a day. All right? Now, if you can take that attitude of today and make it a reality on a daily basis and say, Harrison, I'm going to go broke. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the point is, is you want to honor your wife every day for being a mom, for being your wife, for being such a beautiful person. That's the way we need to improve our sex lives is through affirmation. And it's interesting here that if you have a poor relationship with your wife, it's going to hinder your prayers. That's how, that's how important God says your relationship with your wife is. It's going to hinder your prayer. So if you're not treating your wife right, if you know you're not doing it, don't be praying about anything else other than your marriage because it's not really getting through. That's how serious it is that you love your wives. Now, let me explain something to you guys that we don't often get. Uh, you know, lovemaking is an event. It's just an event in time. And that's the way we view it. It's just an event in time. But the way a woman views it is that it's an event that takes place in an atmosphere of love, of tenderness, of encouragement, and affirmation. A woman needs to be emotionally breathing to make a sexual connection with you. Let's say that you uh, come into the house and and your wife is sick, and she's really having a tough time breathing, uh, maybe an upper respiratory issue. And you look at her and say, honey, since you're laying down and, you know, we're here in the bedroom, you got time on your hands, you know, well, what do you think? <laughs> now, of course, you're not stupid enough to say that, hopefully, Okay. All right. But I tell you what, guys, you know, if you're not creating an atmosphere of love and encouragement and affirmation and just supporting your wife in every way, what the problem is, is that if you have a very weak marriage relationship, there is no atmosphere. There's no emotional air that she's breathing that you're giving to her. So when you go to her and say, let's spend some time together. She looks at you like you're crazy. And why is that? Because she's gasping for emotional error that you're not providing. She doesn't feel connected to you in any way at all. And so why in the world 
would she want to do something like that? That makes no sense to her. Now, guys, it's very important for you to understand. And you're, you're looking at me and say, Dan, now, well, that takes a lot of work. <laughs> and you're right, it does take a lot of work to cultivate that emotional atmosphere, to affirm and love and care and just constantly be uh, caring uh, for your mate. Uh, but that's what God wants you to do. Plus, it will enhance uh, your uh, intimacy uh, with your wife. Uh, the second need that she has is, con- is connection. Is connection. Now, this is another important thing for us to understand. Uh, when uh, men connect with their wives, the closest connection they make is a physical connection, as we're talking about right now. That's when they feel closest emotionally to their wives. But for the wives, it's the opposite. It's really all that atmospheric stuff. I mean, they enjoy sex, but really they enjoy the atmosphere much more so. And so, therefore, they always want to be connected. And, you know, as I reflect on our marriage, many times we'll be just sitting in the living room, Lori and I, and, you know, she'll look at me and she'll say, you know, I don't feel close to you. I say, I want you to move over here. You can be a lot closer, you know. And then come on. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, guys. In the past, I've been clueless. I've been searching my mind. You know, what haven't I done? What have I said? What did I do? And, uh, you know, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And I get all defensive and say, I did this for you. I did that for you. How can you say that? And all that kind of stuff, you know. What she's saying to me is, I'm emotionally gasping for air here. You're not creating an atmosphere of love. And I don't feel close to you. And that, that's hurting me inside. And I realize that now. But that's uh, so important to understand uh, that they need to have that type of connection. Uh, you need to build your wife up in this way. Ephesians 4.29 do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So as you want to build this emotional atmosphere of love, how do you do it? Well, the first thing you do is you need to uh, encourage your wife. You need to affirm her. Like you're doing today, you're saying, wow, you're an awesome mom. I can't believe all you do, all you sacrifice. She needs that on a regular basis. You need to encourage her about her role as a mom or other roles that she plays in life. You need to encourage her about her body. The majority of women have body image issues, thanks to our culture, all right? thanks to magazines like that. They have body image issues. That's why they're always asking, how do I look in this? Do I look too fat? Is my butt too big? <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know. Why are they asking us these questions? You say, well, well, of course. You know, you look great. But, but they've got all this junk going on in their heads about how they need to look and how people perceive them. You need to continually tell them they're beautiful. They're wonderful. Uh, you need to encourage them. Uh, you need to remain connected with them. Uh, to talk to them throughout the day. I, I usually try to make it a habit to call Lori at uh, lunchtime and just see how she's doing and connect with her. Uh, and, and you just need to do that. 
You need to know, let them know that you love them and you're concerned about what's going on in their lives and that you're thinking about them. And you can send them a text, send them an email, uh, all those different types of things just to say, hey, listen, I want to connect with you. And the best way to connect with your wife, one of the best ways, is to tell your wife about your day. Now, I know that's very painful for some of us. <laughs> you don't want to relive your day. You already lived through it once. <laughs> and I'm the type of guy saying, well, I lived it. You know, why do I have to tell you about it? Uh, and uh, I sometimes gravitate toward that. And, and so, yes, I'm the kind of guy that really has to put in my Outlook calendar, talk to Lori, you know, just on the bottom of my day, talk to Lori. Just as a reminder, uh, saying, i gotta, I got to take some time and just sit down with Lori and, okay, ask me any question. You know, and I'll tell you about my day and those kind of things. Some guys, uh, they'll write stuff down. I try to do that sometimes. If something happens in the day, I'll write it down that she might be interested in, and I'll make a note of it. And when I go to talk with her, I'll bring out my notes, and I'll say, okay, let me update you, because otherwise I'll just forget. It wasn't significant for me, but I know she'd be interested in it. You see, so you just need to cultivate this type of relationship. She wants to know what's going inside, on inside you, and some of those guys struggle with that. She wants to know how we're feeling, and some of those guys have no clue how we're feeling anyway. So, you know, that's another issue. But the point being is share your life with her. That's what she wants to know more than anything. All right. The next issue is, uh, the next need is non-sexual touch. What? What is that? Uh, it's an oxymoron, right? Non-sexual touch. I mean, a lot of guys think, hey, you know, the only purpose to touch a woman, you know, is uh, that kind of thing. Uh, in fact, right now, I want you to just freeze. Uh, is Paul, uh, let's see. Paul, Peter, you got it? Okay. I want you, everybody stop. I want you to move your body at all. Okay? Now, if you're holding hands with your wife at the freezing point, I want you to stand up. Okay, anybody holding their hands with their wife? Okay, okay. Oh, wow, that's good. That's good. All right, you get a cookie. All right. <laughs> it's like Pavlov's dogs, you know. <laughs> Give me a cookie. Give me a cookie. Uh, anybody had their arm around their wife? Stand up. Had an arm around their wife? Okay, we got another one over here. All right. Way to go. Excellent. Beautiful. You see, what happens is, is when you... You're uh, emotionally connected. Just holding hands during the service, you're feeding your wife emotional energy. Okay, Whenever you put your arm around her, you're feeding your wife emotional energy. When you go to hug her, you're feeding your wife emotional energy. In fact, uh, sometimes I'll go to hug Lori, and I'm done hugging, you know, and she wants to continue to hug me, and I'm saying, i got to go here. <laughs> Yeah, once you get a cookie, you can sit down. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so friends, we got we got time here during the service. So just hold their hands, you know, and, and just you know, eight hugs a day. They say you need. Now I know some of you guys are task oriented. Say, like, come here, honey. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. God bless you. I love you. You know, that really isn't the idea. Okay, but, you know, cuddling, ah, cuddling, yeah, all that kind of stuff. 
Non-sexual touch. All right. So that's what I want you to practice this week. Every day this week, I want to encourage you to practice non-sexual touch. You know, she's in the kitchen. Just come up behind her, that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, fourth thing is spiritual intimacy. Uh, the idea of, um, again, attending church. Great job, guys. You're here today praying with her, devotions, and then romance. Uh, the whole area of uh, um, what's... The whole idea of making her feel special by caring and thinking about her. Uh, treating her as a princess and a bride, opening the door for her. Again, it doesn't need a lot of money. It's just the fact that you're thinking about her and bringing her flowers, cards. Let's move on here to men's sexual needs. Uh, first thing is mutual satisfaction. And uh, there's five different needs that men have. And I know some of you women are laughing you're thinking, what are you talking about? There's just one need. <laughs> and mutual satisfaction, what that's, what's that all about? Well, men really do like to give pleasure uh, to their wives. And one critical thing here is you need to talk about your sexual relationship. And I really want to encourage you in this way, to talk about your sexual relationship. And you'll find that most couples do not. The only time they talk about their sexual relationship is when they're upset when they're frustrated about it, when things aren't happening, that kind of thing. But you need to talk about it. And I would encourage you to do this week. Again, like we talked about last week, just have a time when you sit down and say, okay, let, let's just talk about our sexual relationship. And then you lead off and you say, how can I serve you? You know, how can I better satisfy you? What will help you enjoy our sexual relationship more? And just listen. Just listen. To her, and you don't even talk about yourself. You just say, "This I want to know how I can do a better job." Now, many times, couples don't want to talk about it because they don't want to hurt their spouse's feelings and things of that nature. But guys, you got to get beyond that, okay? I mean, hey, it, a sexual relationship is an art. In fact, studies say it. It says that most couples uh, take six years to adjust sexually to one another where they're really, you know, in sync with one another and meeting each other's needs. And sometimes sex is best, like in your 50s, when the kids are out of the house and you have time. I uh, don't have as much energy. <laughs> you know, but after years and years of, of really cultivating your lovemaking, it really becomes very, very uh, rich. And so, again, you need to learn from one another. And the only way you learn from each other is to talk to each other about it and say, well, this works, this doesn't work, and you know, it would be helpful if I had some air to breathe, <laughs> you know, whatever the issue is, okay? Uh, so, again, talk to your mate about this. Another one is connection uh, with men. Uh, that's very important, and that happens through lovemaking. Responsiveness of the wife is another need, and, and, and women. Do not use sex as a weapon. You have been told by God uh, that it's your responsibility to meet the needs of your husband. First Corinthians 7, 5, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together, together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the only reason why you would, uh, you know, stop uh, a regular type of uh, sexual relationship is for prayer or for sickness, those type of things. But otherwise, you know, that should be a need that you're meeting in your husband's life. 
And, and if you stop meeting that need, if, if you start to stonewall him, he's going to emotionally withdraw. The one thing you don't want to have happen, uh, he is going to become frustrated and angry. And plus, you're going to open up to more temptation. Because, again, uh, the way guys work is they, they have a cycle of testosterone buildup. And what happens is, is that uh, if you don't meet his needs, uh, he is going to be tempted to look other places, whether it be pornography or, or other women. And, again, it's not your fault if he falls into those things, but you don't want to do anything uh, to create an environment where he is more tempted uh, he has a need that needs to be met. And it's your uh, choice when you married him to meet that need. I mean, when, when he married you, he basically said, listen, I love you so much. And I'm entrusting you with my sexual need for the rest of my life. And that, that's quite a statement, right? And so and you take it very seriously. He loves when the wife initiates you know, send him a text message, hey, looking forward to the night, you know, that type of thing. He loves to be pursued, and he loves affirmation. Uh, let's read some uh, passages from the Song of Solomon. You can use these uh, uh, in terms of uh, encouraging uh, your spouse. Uh, first of all, this is uh, what Solomon says uh, to his wife. Or, he says, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. Your navel, your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your ease are, eyes are like the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bathrabim. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Isn't that beautiful? Except for the nose part. Yeah. I dropped that line, guys. Okay. Well, what does the wife say about Solomon? My lover is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among ten thousand. His head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are lilies dripping with myrrh. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies. Uh, oh, that's the same. His arms and rods of gold set with chrysolite. His body is like polished ivory decorated with sapphires. And you ladies are thinking, is it a sin to lie? Uh, <laughs> it's poetic justice, okay? It's symbolism. <laughs> But that's the way we need to learn to talk uh, to one another, to use Scripture uh, to uh, encourage uh, one another. Now, as I close here, I just want to encourage you. Marriage is very complicated. And many of you have been married for many, many years. And many of you have created some bad patterns and habits in your sexual life where it might be non-existent. So I want to encourage you. You know, there is hope to recultivate your sexual life. Uh, some of you have suffered from sexual abuse, which has greatly hurt your marital uh, relationship. There's all kinds of things that can complicate our sexual lives. So I really want to encourage you uh, to get the help you need. Again, the resources here, the five sections, you get this off of Amazon with shipping for 15 bucks. Is that worth improving your 
your uh, marital sex life. Focus on the family. You can go there today. They've got a lot of great articles. Uh, and if you have a pornography issue, Triple X Church certainly can uh, give you a lot of great resources to deal with that. And, of course, you need a covenant relationship uh, with another person. But, uh, again, from our Helping Hand Fund, we provide counseling grants. If you don't have the resources for counseling, we provide five sessions. And so if you're struggling in your marriage in any area, uh, please let me know. And I would love to uh, give you a counseling grant uh, to help you heal uh, your marriage. Uh, so, if you could take out uh, your programs at this time, we're going to talk about how we can take the next step. Tear out this communication slip. If you're a guest, it's great to have you. And we'd ask you to fill out that information so we can get to know you better. If you're a regular attender here at Springbrook, you can just fill out uh, the names of the adults who are here. But under the name portion, date and name, you'll see next steps. And again, circle whatever you feel led to circle. But this is just your way of saying this is what I'm going to do in response to this message. So let's go back to next steps. The next slide. Uh, number one, I'll initiate non-sexual touch with my spouse this daily. Uh, I will initiate non-sexual touch with my spouse daily uh, this week. I will check out Focus on the Family's resources information on marriage. Uh, I will memorize our monthly uh, verses, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. And then that should be number four there. I would like to know more about how to have a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, and then finally, number five, I would like to learn more about being involved in our compassion ministries here at Springbrook. If you really, uh, we have a heart-strong vision for compassion. So if that's an area that you're really interested in and, and you want to be more involved in that, please uh, circle number five and uh, we'll contact you about that because we're starting to put a strategy together uh, for our compassion Initiative. Also, uh, when you give to HeartStrong, make sure that you put that on the memo portion of your check or envelope. So when we send you statements, you know where you're at uh, with your uh, commitment. Uh, so the HeartStrong goes in one area and your general offering goes in another area. Well, if we could have our ushers come forward at this time and let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for this precious time we've had of talking about uh, intimacy and marriage. And I pray for my friends here. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we all would take something away from this marriage, uh, from this uh, message, and that we would do our best in uh, cultivating uh, a meaningful relationships actually with our spouse. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, let's catch up on some family 